0: All right, Trabosay, good morning, good morning, let us begin another beautiful daf of k'suvahs ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamatora Torah sponsors, <coughs> Shmuli and Dinovitz, for dedicating all the Shurman and this month in the Zuchus of an Aliyah for the Neshama of Shmuli's father, Harav Peretz, Avram, Benarab Benyamin, Moshe, Zechon, Lebrach, we hope them in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama say today's daf is daf test. We have a little bit of a uh, little bit of catch up to do. We left off on daf Ches Amud Beis 8b at the first of the wide lines, not the widest lines, the excuse me, the intermediate lines. So I should say the first line after the end of the short lines. Okay, if that's helpful. All right, probably about the middle of that. So remember again, we left off in the middle of a, of a pretty dramatic story. Where the Gimar was telling us that Rav Chia Bar Abba lost a child. He lost a child. There's a machlokis. Did he lose a very young child? Was his son a young man? And he was the Rebbe. He was the he was the Rebbe of Reish Lakish's sons. Reish Lakish's sons. So Reish Lakish goes with his Turkoman Yehuda to pay a shiva visit. And remember again, it's interesting. They get there. And Sere Shlakish says to Yehuda, you know, essentially offers some words of consolation. So we saw that interesting consolation that Yehuda offered, and the story was still in the middle of the story. So the Gemara goes back right, to Amrle, Kum Ema Milsekinegit Shvacho Shalakhodesh Sere Shlakish tells Yehuda, go and say something in praise of the Rebano Shalolam. And I will say, What's, what, what does this have to do with Nicholam Avelim? Right? Remember again, they're at a Shiva visit. So why is, why is Abaye instructing, why is Abaye instructing, I'm sorry, Rish Lakish, why is Rish Lakish instructing his Turgamon Yehuda to go ahead and say shevach of HaKadosh Baruch Because they say one of the things that we are instructed to do in the midst of loss is to go ahead and accept that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu does and to recognize on some level that everything that Hashem does is for the good. So in the midst of this tragic loss, Reish Lakish instructs Yehuda to go ahead and share some words of praise about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar So what does Yehuda say? See, so Yehuda gets up and he says, vaamar hagodl birov godlo. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is great in his greatness. Adir v'chazak. Again, I'm say, who said this yesterday, that's what she's are about, Lashen HaKadosh is that you have words that all translate the same way. Adir great and strong. Berov no he brings back the dead with his words. O ad'in he does incredible things beyond comprehension. Vinifla'os ad'in mispar and wondrous things beyond count. Baruch so Hashem will say. So this was, so again, just to point out, we do this contemporarily, a little bit different at a Levaya, we have something called Sidukadin. Kadin. is the acceptance of judgment. And it's a paragraph that the Havelim say. And the essence of the paragraph is summed up in the phrase, Hashem Nasan, Hashem lakach, Yehi Shem Hashem mevorach. Hashem has given, Hashem has taken. The name of Hashem should be blessed. The job of a Jew is the ability to say thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to recognize the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to accept the judgments of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even in the midst of difficult times. That's what, that's what Reish Lakish was driving at over here. So the Gemara goes weiter. Amale. Reish Lakish then says to Yehuda, this is beautiful, Kum Go and say something to the avelim. Right, in other words, so now you've said something about the loss You've said something about that, Kadosh Baruch Say something. Speak to the dynamic of the avelim. So I will say this is this isn't. By the way, you see why this guy Yehuda what, had he had job security because he's this this stuff like like just understand. Will say, you know sometimes you get asked to speak like like you know share a few words. And okay, so if you're a person who speaks often, maybe it's not such a big deal, but Lamai said it's very like, be, to be put on the spot to say something. So it's incredible that over here, Yehuda, Yehuda is being put on the spot by Reish Lakish, and again, being asked to share all of this profundity. So, Imam, also, can I get Avelim? Say something about the Avelim. Pasach V'Amar, he opened up and he said, Acheinu, listen to how beautiful this is. Acheinu hamiyugotin be'eval. As, uh, our brethren, our brethren, Ultimately, again, who are downtrodden and overwhelmed by this loss. Think about and contemplate the following. Listen to what he writes. This, which you are experiencing, is for eternity, for eternity. So in other words, what, what's happening over here is Yehuda is speaking about the dynamic of death. And he's saying the dynamic of death is one that has been in this world forever. Nesivhu Misheshes It is a pathway paved from the beginning of creation. Rabbim shasul, Rabbim yishtu. Many have drank, drank or drunk, drunk, we have drunk, right? Many have drunk, right, from its waters. Rabbim yishtu. Many will drink from its waters says sorry the same way that the earlier ones have drunk of this the latter ones will as well so almost like the idea that what's happening over here so ultimately Yehuda describing the dynamic of death as one that is here since the beginning of time this is part of the passage of life. I would say sometimes we go through life being so scared of death, overwhelmed by death. What Yehuda is saying is one has to embrace the dynamic of death as part of the cycle of life. It is part of the fabric of creation. He goes on, he says, Achinu Achinu eschem, My brethren, my brethren, the ba'an he who is the master of all consolation should console you, Baruch Menachem beautiful, beautiful. Amrabaye um, Abaye says back. Rabbim Shasu so lema, Rabbim Yishtu lo Abaye corrects. Abaye corrected Yehuda. I guess Abaye was there, right? Abaye corrected Yehuda, and he said you could say you could say Rabbim Shasu. You could say many have drunk from it. Don't say many will drink. Mishteri Shonim You could say it is the drink of the earlier ones. Don't say it's the drink of the later ones. Why not? I was saying, what's wrong with saying is incredible. Because I was say Reish Lakish himself. I just want to point out just the circle over here, right? This is Yehuda, the Turgamon of Yehuda, the Turgamon of Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish himself said, "In the name of Rabbi Yosi, the Olam Adam Pivla Satan, a person should not go ahead and open up his mouth to the Satan." Which I will say means what? a person should not speak about the possibility of misfortune occurring. So I will say, so this is actually interesting. So I just want to point out what's happening over here is you have Yehuda the Turgamon. See so how Rishla. remember, they're going ahead and they're there to pay a shiva visit. Right? Rishlach says to his Turgamon, say something, say something to the Avelim. Say something to the Aveilim. So here I will say, so Yehuda comes along and speaks out the dynamic of death. And what is he essentially doing? He's saying to the avelim, what you're going through, as painful, as uniquely painful as it feels for you, is part of the fabric of the human condition. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words. Abaye says, don't speak. I understand if you want to talk about death as a historical reality. Don't speak about the fact that everyone is going to experience death in the future. Don't do that that's ayiftah pivla satan don't go ahead and open up your mouth and discuss about the potential of misfortune before we get into that dynamic I will say so why does Yehuda say it cuz Yehuda will say this is not this is not an opening up my mouth to the satan why not why not cuz I will say death is a reality Yiftah pivla satan means do not go ahead and speak about the potential of misfortune that may or may not occur the whole point that Yehuda was trying to say is that death is part of the is part of the fabric of life and it is an unavoidable consequence of the human condition all right anyway abai comes along and says don't speak about iftaq al satan Maikra, what's the pasik so bis kistom hayinu la so it's very interesting the gemara quotes the pasik from Yeshaya. So the Pasuk from Yeshayah says, Cloud Yisrael says, Hashem, had you not spared us, we would have suffered the plight of Stom and Amora. Stom and Amora, of course, are the cities that are destroyed. Right after that, what does Yeshayah say to the Jewish people? And we'll say right after that, Yeshayah calls the people the princes of Stom. In other words, so the people say we would have been destroyed like stone. Ah, oh, you know what? Then who says, you know what? Now that you're talking about stone, you guys are kind of sodomite like in your behaviors. Right? So you see from here that don't go ahead, don't go ahead and make reference to the potential for misfortune to occur. I will say, by the way, some, some, sometimes you, you see what this means, because sometimes people misapply this. People often think al satan means that you can't speak about any potential misfortune because then it may occur. So that's superstitious, right? That, that's, that's, that's kind of like the misunderstanding of ayin hara. al satan means that we'll say, the way it works in this world is that each of us has like a file cabinet of averas. Let's be honest. Halavai, it's only one, right? <laughs> right? But right, Even that one might have like five, five, uh, five levels. So, we'll say, so what happens? In general, what we say is Chalash loves us, so he keeps the file cabinet closed. Keeps the file cabinet closed. Don't do stuff in life that causes Chalash Baruch Hu to open up the file cabinet. So that's what's happening over here. Kalal makes a reference. Oh, we were, we were almost destroyed like Stom and Amora. Hey, wh- why, why why, bring up Stomen Amorah? Then once, once they do, Achad says the truth is, guys, you're actually not so far off from Stomen Amorah. That's Al Tiftach satan. It's almost the same dynamic as Ayin Hara. Don't go ahead and behave in ways that causes Achadosh Baruch Hu to closely look at and investigate your shortcomings and failures. Amr it's beautiful. Now, Reish Lakish says, Reish Lakish says to Yehuda, say something beautiful corresponding to the people who come to be Menachem Ovel. So the Gemara says, listen to this. Pasach V'Amer, this is so beautiful. Achinu gom le chasadim, le'i gom le chasadim, ha beviso shel Avram Avinu. So Yehuda gets up and he says, he says, my brethren, achinu my brethren, gom chasadim, those who do chasad, the sons of those who do chessed, who go ahead and hold on to the bris of Avram Avinu. Now, say this is actually very beautiful. We often think of the bris of Avram Avinu as what? As what? Bris Look at Rashi. Uh, look at Rashi. This is so beautiful. Avram Rashi So I was say, what's the real bris of Avram Avinu? The real bris of Avram Avinu was chessed. Chesed. Avram Avinu was Kulo Chesed. All Chesed. All the time. So ultimately, again, those who do Chesed are holding on to the verse of Avram Avinu. Achinu b'al HaGomel Yishalim Lechem gemulchem Baruch Ata Baruch Atah Mishalim HaGmul. My brethren, the one, b'al <speaking in> HaGmul, <Hebrew> the one who goes ahead and controls all reward. Yishalim Lechem gemulchem, should reward you for all of your Chesed. Baruch Atah Mishalim HaGmul. Absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Amalei. so Yehuda's on a roll over here, right? Reish Lakish says Reish Lakish says Amarle, come ema milsa kineged kol Yisrael. Give a bracha to all of Klal Yisrael. Pasach va'amar, Rabbi says Ches amud beis about eight lines up from the bottom. Pasach va'amar, ribona olamim pidei v'hatzal malay toshes amcha Yisrael min ha'devir. So says, so listen to this. So Yehuda gets up and he says, ribona olamin, master of the universe, redeem. And save and spare your nation, Yisrael, from dever pestilence, charev, war, or sword, biza, plundering, shidafon, rakon, drought, blight, mikol paronios, hamisrakshos, ubaos laolam. From any misfortune that's going to come into the world. Tara, nikra, va'ata, sana. before they call out, may you be able to answer, Baruch Atah, Otser Hama geifa. Incredible. Incredible. Amr Ullah. So I, will say, I just want to point out, by the, you know what else? You see something very important from here, which is, when in a base avel, a person should only be speaking meaningful things. You know, let's say, we spoke about this problem. we saw about Moad People sometimes think when they go to pay a shiva visit, that it's their job to distract the avel. The job to distract the mourner. So you hear people speak about the most inane things. So first of all, number one, you're not going to distract the avel. When a person has suffered a loss, no matter what small talk you're going to make, you're not going to distract them from their loss. And furthermore, that's not the point of Shiva. The point of Shiva is to be steeped in your loss. The point of Shiva is to truly process your loss. And you see from here, again, Rishlakish is coming into the base of El. I'll tell you something interesting. What's missing from this exchange over here? What's missing from this entire exchange? Right? There's no exchange. Right? Who's silent this entire time? Which is which is which is interesting. Which is interesting. Now, maybe he wasn't silent. The Gemara is just telling us one side of the exchange. But what's interesting is it's also possible he lost the child. He lost the child. A traumatic, overwhelming loss. It's also possible that he has absolutely nothing to say. So when he has nothing to say, you have Rish Lakish telling Yehuda, give Brahus. Just give Brahus. And let's leave. Let's leave. Incredible. Bosa, listen to this next gemara. This is pretty wild. Pretty wild. Amar u'la from the Masnisa Tana, asara koso stiknu a Chazal instituted that you should drink ten cups of wine in a base avel. Now, not everyone. Not everyone. You'll see again. say it's actually referring to those partaking of a seuda in a base avel. Listen to this. Here we go. How do you get ten cups of wine? Shlosha machila. Three cups before you eat. been Because everyone knows you need three cups before the suda to loosen up the kishkas, right? To go ahead and make sure that the food is able to take. Three need three cups during the meal, during the meal, in order to allow the food to soak, right? In your stomach. Next, and then of course, you need the four after the meal. Why four after the meal? It's not for you, it's for benching. So you have one cup corresponding to each of the brachos of benching. So a total of a total of 10 cups. Three before you eat, three during the meal, and four corresponding to each of the brachos of benching. Get ready for this. They decided to add on another Four cups. Another four cups. Why four cups? Keneged Hazonibos is actually very beautiful. is actually very beautiful. one correspondent to the Rosay. Now, who are the Look Keneged Hazonibos is one of the Hazonibos. I love the Fisha Yushamashiah. Eerless is a sick Mimisim Mishat. They the Chazanim are the Gaboim. So they added on another, another cup for the Gaboim. They will say, why the Gaboim? Why the Gaboim? Because the gaboim were the ones who often made the arrangements for the shiva home, the timing of the levaya avron. This is this this cup. This cup is mamish for the gaboim. right? The gaboim were in charge of everything, so they made sure everything ran correctly in the kila. So one cup, kinegiv the gaboim. Next, the echad kinegiv parnosia, one for the gvirim, the wealthy individuals of the city. There was say, beautiful look We'll say, this is beautiful. The wealthy people were often the ones who picked up the bill for the, for, for the poor who were unable to afford burial expenses. <laughs> burial expenses. We'll say, by the way, I will tell you, just because sometimes we don't appreciate the community that we live in, you know, we have one funeral home, Levinson's, and, and I will tell you, one, one of the incredible chasadim they do is that when there is someone, who is unable to afford a Levaya, they, they they will pick up as much of the cost as they as they need to, which is as someone who's lived in other communities, you do not find that you'll find communities that fundraise for levayas absolutely but to, to have again, it is definitely the it, who, one of, the, one of the perks of being a monopoly, Baruch Hashem, but, 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 it's, it's an incredible, incredible thing. So in, in Yasser, you didn't, you didn't have a funeral home like that. So who picked up the tab for the Levias? So the Ashirim, the Gvirim, the wealthy people of the community. So therefore, again, there was one cup for the wealthy people. the one, one cup for the Beis HaMikdash, because I was say, now what does the Beis HaMikdash have to do with this? So I will say, look at Rashi, so we'll it makes sense. Because remember, this is in a Beis This is in a Beis So in a Beis Havel, where we're mourning over personal loss, we have another cup reminding us of the loss of the Beis HaMikdash. Next, the Echad kneged Rebbe Gamliel. We'll say one cup for Rebbe Gamliel. Now we'll see why that is. We'll say, in a Beis we've got 14 cups of wine. Right, so says the Gemara. Shockingly, Right, so we will say it turns out people started getting drunk. Right, I know, I know. Right? Who would have thought people starting, which obviously is never good, but certainly in a base avel is not good. So they went back to the ten cup model. Right, so, we'll say, so apparently the ten cup model worked. I will say also, all kidding aside, understand wine consumption was very different right wine was a regular staple was a regular staple drink at every single meal so they went back to ten cups to which the Gemara says "My Rabbi Gamliel, what's the cup corresponds to Rebbe what is that about so the Gemara said this is so beautiful we saw this in Moed Cotton and it's so profound they will say listen to this it used to be that paying for funeral expenses was more painful than death itself. Meaning, what Rabo saying? People used to make levayas like chasanas. like chasanas. Meaning, what you'd rent the hall, beautiful casket, nice tachrichim. You'd bring in, like, uh, you know, you'd bring in a singer, right? Because also they used to have, they used to have. So, like, the, this the singers would do weddings and levayas, right? So, in other words, it was like a package, a package maybe. Right? So, so, so the mice again, there was incredible financial pressure. To put on, to put on a top-notch levaya. To the point that what happened? Mm-hmm. Now, listen to how profound this is. People would literally go ahead and leave the bodies of their loved ones by the side of the road, and they would run away. Now, i say, because what happens once the body is on the side of the road, what does it become? A mis mitzvah. Once it's a mis mitzvah, whoever finds it has... i, say, I, I just, I just want to point out, I just want to point out how, how profound it is. Mostly you say to yourself, that's crazy. Jose, is that any crazier than taking out a second mortgage to make a wedding? Is, is, that, is, that, is that any crazier than putting yourself in debt for 30 years to make a five-hour event? Yet it's nice in Bechoyom that people put themselves into ridiculous debt. To go to make a Again, let's say this is one of the things that we have to, if you have money and you want to make a beautiful thing, fantastic. But Lama Issa, that we've created a situation where people feel a social pressure to be able to put on simchas that they cannot afford is a terrible, terrible communal disservice that we have done to ourselves. This is not something new. This is not something new. This has been part of the story of the Jewish people, right? Apparently for a very long time. Achibar Rabbi Gamliel. The Nag Carlos Biatsmo. Rabbi Gamil came along, and I to say, "What did he do? What did he do? Nag kalos Biatmo. Nag kalos Biatsmo means it was say he arranged his own lavaya, and he said, "I am having a very simple lavaya. Bikle And they went ahead and they took him out in simple, simple linen tachrichim, simple linen shrouds. The Am Lahoti after he did it. Everyone conducted themselves like this as well. Amar Papa Papa says, "That's why today Rabbo say, we bury the dead even in a piece of canvas that's only worth a zuz." Happens we we don't use canvas; we use linen shrouds. Rabbo said the idea that contemporarily a levaya is the simplest of the simple, the simplest of the simple—a regular casket. If you use a casket, right? Regular shrouds. That's because of Rabbi Gamil. They both said, by the way, and therefore they used to drink a cup, right, allah to Rabbi Gamil, so to speak, for helping to affect change with better practice. They both say, but you see something incredible here. It's also an incredible deal in leadership, which is that if you want to affect change, be the change. Be the agent of change. You know, we often speak about change, and this should change, and that should change, and all this should change, and but the only problem is we're willing to talk about it we're just waiting for someone to be the actual agent of change. And I would say what, the, what Rabbi Gamliel teaches us is be the change you want to see occur. Be the change. Be the agent of change. Be the vehicle of change. That's how you affect you. Obviously, Rabbi Gamliel has the position, right? Rabbi Gamliel has the power and the authority. And when he does something, people watch Rabbi. Was saying... You'd be surprised. We, we all have a sphere of influence. And if we truly feel that a certain change has to be made, be that change. Incredible. Let's go weiter. there. Amr Abba I'm going to say back to Ksuvus. Back to Ksuvus. Amr Abba Haomer, top of Tess. Haomer, Pesach, Pasuach, Matsasi. I'm going to say a man marries a woman. And he says, Pesach, Pasuach. I found her, which means he's claiming there's no Besulim. He's claiming there was no Besulim. I'm going to say, look here, Rashi. Haomer, Pesach, Pasuach, Matsasi. The I will say, in this case, he's not claiming that there was no dam. He's not claiming that there was no blood. So Rabbi will say, so again, right now there's no claim of blood. For whatever the reason, we'll discuss maybe the sheep was lost or we'll see that there were certain families that just did not have dam b'sulem haym no blood. So he's claiming, Pesach, Pesach, Literally again, I found no basulim Right? Ultimately, again, there, there was no there, there was there was there was no blockage to penetration, and therefore halakha alma nice, is claiming that she was not a basulah. So the Gemara says, So Na'am al Shalaf. both say he's believed to asser her upon him. Now understand what's happening over here. both say, is he believed to asser her status? Is he believed to ask her status? No. He's making a claim. Now what can he do? He's believed Lagaba himself. So essentially he's making a claim. What's the claim he's making? You're not a Basula. Implicit in that claim that he's making is what? You committed adultery. Now both say he's not believed to label her a, to, to label her an adulteress, right? That's not believed. That's a claim that requires ethos. What he's saying is, Anaf isura. You could make something prohibited to you, and you're believed, Lagaba, you look atshi on the love so, we'll say he's believed to make her usher onto him. Okay? If you think she committed adultery, then she is a surah to you. She's not chasachan labeled as an adulteress. She's not going to go ahead and lose her ksuva. But there's a concept of shavi anaf sheikhatikha diisura. surah. You can make something usher to you. Sigmar says, B'amai. but why is that? Svek svekahu. We will say it should be a double suffix. What's the double suffix? Suffix tahtov, suffix in So, first of all, suffix number one, maybe she did have relations with someone else. But maybe it happened during Arisan. Maybe it happened after, but before Arisan. And if it happened during Eirah Sin, maybe she was violated against her will. Maybe she was complicit. So because you have a Svek Sveik, say in general with a double Sveik, we're generally able to be mako If that's the case, even if he claims Pesach, Pasuach, Matzasi, I found an opening, again, she should still be permitted to him. Possible number one is where he's a coin. So I will say, remember again, a coin, his wife is a surah to him if she has relations with another man, unfortunately, even if she's violated. So therefore, in that case, there would only be one, The other possibility is that maybe we're talking about, maybe we're talking about a Yisrael, and we're talking about a young girl whose father accepted kidushin for her Less than three years old and one day. I'll say, by the way, I just want to point out, because, I, when we, because when we speak about these these conversations about marrying a minor and the young girl and the Gemara talking about having relations with a minor, so will say says, so obviously, we read these things. And just to be honest, it's, it's shocking to us. It's shocking to us, right? And it's, it's, it's overwhelming to us. And again, to be clear, obviously, from the lens in which we look at it, it's unequivocally, overwhelmingly, and undeniably wrong. Wrong, to to be very clear. Obviously, the Gemara is dealing with a different system, a, a different societal system, just like we've seen the concept and construct of marriage is something fundamentally different. This notion of marriage at a young age, I will point out that if you remember again, we did see in Yevamis how the Gemara spoke about the idea that even if one is marrying a younger girl, one should not consummate that relationship until she becomes a Bogaris. Granted, Bogaris is 12 years old and six, in six months. It's not like it, for our sensitivities, it's not like it fundamentally changes. But I just want to point out that Chazal, had that sensitivity to a young girl as well, even though technically it might be permitted. But Lamaisa had that sensitivity, so it just it's. Uh, I, I've spoken. I've had this conversation with a number of you offline. It's important to, to mention it because again, we're learning it from the construct of Chazal, but it's important to, to acknowledge the fact that that Lamaisa obviously, temporarily, this has fundamentally. And wholly changed. It's important also to acknowledge that it's a bit shocking to our contemporary understandings and sensitivities to read things like this. But Lamaisa Chazal shared that sensitivity, that was reflective of their time. But Lamaisa, again, we're looking at a totally different construct. So the Gemara goes right. Like the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, Mike, so fine, what are you teaching me? So, Tanina, we learned this already. If a man says to a woman, you have betrayed, betr- Mike, a man says to a woman, we're married. She says, no, we're not. I've actually had couples in my office like this, right? So, so, right, right? We're married, right? No, no we're not. So, so, here they have, mamush, like, here they're arguing about whether or not they're married. So, what's that, Locha? So i will say, it's interesting. So what's the law in this case? He can't marry any of her relatives, but she can marry his relatives. Meaning what? I'll say. In other words, you can make a claim. You can make a claim. But if you have an unsubstantiated claim, the only person that claim affects is who? Is who? Is you. Because there's a concept of shavi So I'll say, give you a, a perfect example. Right? I have a steak on the table. I have a steak on the table. And I say, that steak is trafe. And you say, I bought it from Wasserman. What are you talking about? I just bought it. So we will say, what's the huh? What's the huh? Right? Can you eat it? Can you eat it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. In other words, my claim doesn't have the ability to create a halachic reality for anyone beyond myself. So now what we're saying is, a guy says, a guy says, Pesach, Pesach, Matzasi. She's not a basula. Okay. She's not a, you're, you're, you're not bringing a dos. You're, you're claiming she's not a basula. Okay, so well, effectively what's happened over here is you've made this woman asr to you. You haven't, right, legabe her. she gets her exuma. She's a regular woman. You haven't changed her status. So is that what you're coming to teach us? If that's it, we've learned that before. So, hasam so I'm say, you might have thought like this. When do we say in a situation where we where, where the man could be sure about his claim? Like where he claims, I married you. He's sure about that. Avaha may come I will say, maybe in this case over here, in this case of Pesach pasuach. I will say, here's what's going to be interesting about the case of Pesach Pasuach Matsasi. When a guy comes along and he says, Pesach Pasuach, right? There wasn't there wasn't open, in other words, there, there was no besulim they will say, you know, what do we say to him? What do we say to him? We kind of give him a little bit of a look. And we say to him, how do you know? Right? In other words, what level of experience are you coming into this first interaction with that you know what this is supposed to feel like and what it's supposed to be like? So we kind of, how do we say, look at him askance? Right? Do we give him a little bit of a look, wondering, like, wow, you certainly have a lot of knowledge, for someone who just got married and was supposedly in yeshiva this entire time, right? In other words, how, 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 how do you know all of this exactly? Ah, it's a must you learned Dafyomi, you learned ksubis, right? Again, there's no pictures in the Gemara, right? So, so what, what, what exactly, right? So, what exactly? So, I will say, so the Gemara, and this, this is actually all kidding aside, this is gonna come up. This is gonna come up. So, so what the Gemara is pointing out over here is maybe they claim that Pesach Pasuach, maybe we don't, maybe we essentially tell them, listen, buddy, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you, you might think you know what you're talking about. You might think that you know what this is, what, what the resistance is supposed to be like. But lamaisa, maybe what you're claiming is just not really true because you're not experienced enough to know what this is. So I'm going to say, look, if the guy makes a claim and he says, Pesach pasuach mat sasi, at the end of the day, we accept his word for him. We're not going to accept his word for her. In other words, her status is not going to change. But look, you're claiming your wife is not a Basula, which essentially is you're making a quasi-claim of adultery. She's a surah to you, but lamais you have not changed her status. Umiyam <laughs> Rabbalazer haki. actually say this? Ultimately, again, that a woman could become naaseres to her husband based on the statement of her husband, to which the words, Rabbalazer, e'na isha ne'eseres al-bayla, ela yestira. Yisra yeah, B'lazer said, The only way a woman becomes a surah to her husband is through kinui and stira. Now, sorry, we're going to see this in Sota, right? Remember, again, in Masechah Sota we know that there's a concept. Kinui means a husband warns his wife not to be alone with a certain man. Stira, then what? She's alone with that man. And kinui and stira take place with the presence of Adom, with the presence of witnesses. So, Yisra said, a woman only becomes Asura to her husband through Kinui and Stira. And like the event that occurred above, say that is a reference to the event of David and Batsheva. We'll discuss that. The Tisbara, hold second, David and Batsheva. The tizbara, the Mice of David and Batsheva happened with Kinui and Stira. There was no Kinui and Stira there. Furthermore, it was Batsheva, Asura to David. To which the Gemara says, "No, no, no. Hello, Kasha. What this one means to say? Here we go. A woman only becomes a surah to her husband if there's kino yestira, if there is warning and seclusion. In other words, warning about a particular man and then seclusion with that very man." The Gemara says, iske kino yestira." shahaya, and the proof you could bring to this is from the episode of Davan and Bat to hava Kino Yestira, where there was no warning and seclusion. In other words, Uriachiti, Batsheva's husband, never warned her, so to speak, about David and Melech. And therefore, again, ultimately, Batsheva was not prohibited to David. And I will say, the story of Davin and Batsheva is much more complex than what's being brought down over here, but we'll just go with it for now. So the Gemara says, Mikam Kasha. I will say, here's our problem. Here's our problem. We just said, Rabbi Lazar saying that what? Homer Pesach Pasuach, Reuven comes to Bezdin. he marries Rachel, and he says, Pesach Pasuach Matsasi, which essentially means, no besulim. What is he making? He's making a claim, she must have committed adultery. What did Rabbi Lazar say? What did Rabbi Lazar say? What did Rabbi Lazar say? He's Ne'aman, he's Ne'aman osra alof. He's believed to make her Rachel, Usr to him, to him. So now we have Rabbi just saying the only way a woman becomes Asura to her husband is how? Through Kinui and Stira. Through Kinui and Stira. Okay, so I want say, so what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, Kasha, okay. so Kinui Ustira in, Pesach Kinui Ustira in, And what's here's the other problem. The other problem is, Kinui and Stira is clearly not the only way that a woman becomes a surah to her husband, right? How else does a woman become a surah to her husband? Ultimately, again, through eidim, right? If you have testimony that a woman was Mizana, that a woman committed adultery, that also prohibits. So, Kinion Steer is not the only mechanism. al means to say. Here we go. Eina Abayla Echad, Eidim, a woman doesn't become a surah to her husband through an Eid Echad. I'm going to say, right, let's say Ruben is married to Rachel, Eid echad shows up and says, I saw Rachel being Mizanah, having adultery with Shimon." Okay, I mean, not okay, but Lamaisa, it's an Eid Echad, it doesn't do anything. A woman only becomes a surah to her husband with two Eidim. Rabbi Loz is coming to say is, U'kinu yistira afilu echad nami. Oh, so Rabbi will say, now when it comes to kinoy and yistira, ultimately, Rabbi both say, so we're going, we'll see this in Mesecha Sota. but what the Gemara is suggesting is as follows. Then it could very well be that if a wife is warned in front of two witnesses, then if there's subsequent seclusion, even in the presence of Eid Echod, that could go ahead and answer her to her husband. Wow. And Rabbi Loza will say that when a man makes a claim of Pesach Pasuach, Pesach Pasuach is, like, is, is as powerful as a claim as two witnesses. And I both say, to be clear, when we say that Pesach, pasuach is like two witnesses, the only person Pesach, pasuach impacts is who? Is who? The husband. Because remember, again, I both say, Right? The husband has the ability to go ahead and Halocha l'maysa, Halocha l'maysa, answer something upon himself. That the claim of Pesach, pasuach is like two witnesses. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, so, we'll say if that's the case, then when David had relations with Batsheva, she was technically still married to Uriachiti. If that's the case, why, why wasn't, why wasn't Batsheva Asura to David? Why wasn't she Asura to David? To which the Gemara says, um, okay, fine. Why wasn't she Asura to David? Hasam one saba. There I will say, Batsheva was taken against her will. She was summoned by the king. She didn't really have a say in what is it that occurred. Now, by the way, whether or not the act of relations, she was compliant in the act of relations, the point over here is the entire Maisa, right? she was summoned by David Amel. she was summoned by the king. When you're summoned by the king, there's not really much of a choice, so it was against her will. For the Amrab this is very interesting hayot Kol the Milchames based David, Get Krisos Kosev Ishto. I will say this is fascinating. The other passage I will say, and th- th- this is a very interesting technical answer. David HaMalchus, Am, David we're going to see, institute a very interesting practice. That when his soldiers went out to war, before they went out to war, every soldier gave his wife a get. Now, what it was is, it was like a conditional get. And it was the type of get that says, if I don't come back from battle, after a certain amount of time, not we'll come back by so and so date or by so and so time after the war. So ultimately, again, this get is chal. This get takes effect, effect retroactively. Shabbos say, what's the godless of that? What's the godless of that? You prevent any type of aguna situations. Rebose, you have to imagine, like in the wars of yesteryear, every war. Brought Aguna situations with it, right? Every single war. So Lamay said this was an incredible Eitzah to prevent Aguna situations in the aftermath of battle. Based David get kosei now we'll say. Now how does this help? How does this help? Because we'll say. Remember again, Uriachiti, who was batsheba's husband at the time that David sent for her, dies at the end of the story. Dies at the end of the story. So I will say the fact, that he dies in battle at the end of the story. The fact that Oria died, he felt at the end of battle, means that what the get was triggered retroactively, which means that on a technical level, when David was with Bathsheba, she was no longer a married woman. Now I will say, I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear, David is held accountable for this Aveira. The difference just is on a technical level, it wasn't adultery. They are on a te- again, was it a chait? Was it a chait? Absolutely. That's why the Gemara says. Kala Omer David Chata Elatoa. If you say that David HaMelech sinned, you're making a mistake. In other words, if you say that David HaMelech committed adultery, that's factually incorrect. That's actually incorrect. Did David HaMelech make a mistake? I both say, the baby died. The baby that he had with Bathsheba died. He's given three different punishments. The baby dies. He's stricken with illness, and there's going to be a rebellion from within his home. Shalom. That's what the Navi says. And the Navi says all three of these things are because of what you did. With Batsheva. David HaMelech also becomes the paradigm of tshuva. Because when David is confronted by Nassan Hanavi about what, did, what he did, what did David HaMelech do, he becomes the paradigmatic example of tshuva. <laughs> he owns it. David HaMelech is the, is, the, is the quintessential paradigmatic bal tshuva. Because I will say, both of us, when confronted with something we did wrong, usually do what? There's, there's a whole process. Right, there's denial, right? There's denial. And then after denial, right, there's there's ultimately again rationalization. After rationalization, there's quasi-acceptance. Well, I should say first, then there's right, there's denial, there's there's rationalization, there's blame, quasi-acceptance. Sometime later on, right? There, there's some level of acceptance. David HaMelech out of the gate. Out of the gate. He's confronted. Khatasi, I did it. I did it. I'm sorry. I own that he is the quintessential Baal Tshuva. So I will so therefore the Gemara says, but because technically Baal Sheva wasn't married, because there was a retroactive get, therefore she was not a surah to David Hamelech. They will say, by the way, where did David get this idea from? To go and institute a get for every soldier who goes out to war. This is actually very interesting. The second law in Testament is, I will say the Pasik over here, the Gemara's quoting is from Shmuel Aleph. Tifko the Shalom. So we'll say, this is during the war with Goliath. During the war with Goliath. David is just a kid. He's not in the army. He's a shepherd. So Yeshai, David's father, sends him to his brothers, who are all valiant generals. Go out to your brothers. Go see how your brothers are doing. Take their Aruba. Take their Aruba. So the Gemara says, What's Aruba? I'm trying to be safe. Dvarim Take the things that connect your brothers to their wives. Take their kiddushin, take their kiddushin, and have them write a get for their wives. So I will say, David was instructed as a young boy by his father Yeshai to go to his brothers and tell their brothers in the name of the father, each of you write a get for your wife in the event that you don't come back from battle. So David saw this practice with his brothers and with his father, and what did David do when he became king, and now commander-in-chief of the armed forces, institutionalized this practice. Whoever goes out to war, ultimately gives a get to his wife. I'll, say, I'll tell you something absolutely beautiful. The Kotzker, the Kotzker, says something amazing. He says, what's the shot?" He says, what's the shot?" He says, Get krisos kose." Whoever goes ahead and gives, go, goes, goes out to war. The Mohammed's based David. Anyone who went out to war of David Amalek gives a get to his wife. So the Katsker says everyone thinks about this from the vantage point of the wife. Right? Now, what's the goal over here? To prevent aguna. The Katsker says there's another reason. There's another reason why. When you go out to battle, you have to have your mind on one thing and one thing only, which is what? The battle. So the Katsker says it's actually profound. Giving a get to your wife before you went ahead and went out to war, was also compartmentalizing your family. That it was saying to your wife, for the next little bit, when I go out on the battlefield, I'm not thinking about you. I love you, I'm not thinking about you. Because if I think about you, I'm not thinking about the battle. If I think about you, I'm not thinking about my fellow-in-arms. If I think about you, I'm not thinking about the enemy. So the Cusker says, giving a get, giving a get, ultimately, again, was a way of also allowing the soldier to have singular focus on the matter at hand. And I was thinking about this katzkar, and what an incredible idea because the katzkar is also giving us the recipe to success. That sometimes in order to be successful in life, there has to be tunnel vision. You know, we speak about tunnel vision as being a bad thing, and sometimes it is. But sometimes in order to be successful in life, you have to have precision focus on what it is. That you want to accomplish, and sometimes what that means is, give I, 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 doesn't mean giving a get to your wife. I just I just want to be clear, right? But right, but 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 sometimes, and it doesn't mean not taking her calls either. And that, that that that's not it's not a marriage thing. I, I I mean that that sometimes what it means is you have to shut other stuff out, and sometimes it's difficult because the other stuff is important also. And right, and if you think about it, in life, on any given day, there's a whole bunch of important stuff, but. At almost all times there's the one thing that's most important that has to get done there's the one thing that's most important that really rises above everything else and the problem I will say is often in life I'm trying to accomplish a whole number of important things simultaneously and so you can get some things done but it doesn't get done in the right way call the Beis David if you have a Muhammad based David and that's your primary objective and you have to go to war and you have to be successful Get crisis, ishto. You have to give a get crisis, you have to give a get to everything else in life. You have to to everything else in life. You're important, you're important, you're important, you're important, you're not important now. You're not right, right Right now, right now, this is the thing I need to focus on. I will say by the way, and the right now might be for an hour, right, it might be for a day, it might be for a week, but in times in life when I have to be successful, there has to be the singular focus, and the get chrios has to be given to everything else. Incredible! So the gemara goes weiter. Right the gemara says, abai, af anana We also learn this. We'll say, "Here we go!" Incredible gemara. Incredible gemara. Af ananamitanina. B'sula nisis gets married on a Wednesday. So the gemara says, "Liomaravi." And the machamishilo, B'sula only gets married for on a Wednesday, not on a Thursday. So we'll say, "Opening mishnah k'suvas." So my timer. What's the reason for that? Because we'll say, we saw in the first Mishnah, what are we concerned about? We're concerned that if the wedding night comes, he finds that she's not a basula, what's going to happen? We want him to be able to go to the basin in the next morning. If Halo Khala Maisa again, there's time between the wedding night and the next time Basin is in session, Literally, again, he's gonna cool down. We spoke about this on the opening da. People have a way of just come becoming resigned to certain things, sensitivities are dulled. He's going to accept this reality. So the Gemara says, Ulamai, what are we let con- okay, let's drill down, but what are we concerned about? Ilumai's of Laksuva. If we're nervous that says he's going to give her the Ksuva property, you know, as well say, what are we concerned about? That come the wedding night, he's going, to, he's going to give her Ksuva property, because we'll say, by the way, sometimes you could have, we're not used to this model, but you could have a situation like this where upon marriage, husband gives his wife the property that is representative of the Ksuva. So, right, he gives, in other words, why would a man do this? We'll say, because remember again, if you're a husband, if you're a husband, anything and everything you own and will ever own is encumbered by the Ksuva. Which is difficult because Lamaisa, if you wanna transact business with other properties, you wanna have lien free properties. What you could do as a husband is ultimately designate what we call an apotiki, kai, right? Which means I can give my wife an item and I can say, I love you, here's your ksuva, right? I hope you don't collect it for until 120, right? But Lamaisa, here's anything and everything you will ever need to satisfy that ksuva debt and that is potentially able to lift it. So, what are we concerned about? I'm not saying that's not the case. What are you concerned about? That, that he gave her the ksuva on the, on the night of the wedding? And that's what? Now he's going to go to Basin a couple of days later, and he's not, what, is that what we're concerned about? So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Nesavla. Who cares? That's just money. That's just money. Ella la osra alav. We'll say, no, what we're concerned about is that if the wedding night comes, and if he finds that she's not a basula, and then say again, we need him to go to Basin to be Mavara of that. And if Basin is not open for a little while, he may just say, forget it. Forget it. Let's just move on. I tainah. So say he's making a taina. What's the taina? My love, the Dikaton tainas, Pesach, Pasuach. Rabbi will say, is he not making In other words, what, what is the taina? Right? What, what, is, what is our Mishnah? When our Mishnah says is we want you to get married on the Wednesday so that if something's wrong you can go to base on Thursday morning. What's the thing that's wrong? Is it not talking about a case of Pesach, Pasuach? Isn't that the claim? Lo, Dikaton tainas Damim. No, 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 no. The Mishnah is saying over here. What is he making? Look at Rashi right across in Rashi. Taina zdamim. The taina see, He's making a taina that there was no blood from the b'yerishona. There was no blood. They pesach pasuach lo No, no, no. Our Mishnah is talking about a claim where he's making the claim there was no blood from the They The say, But a claim of pesach pasuach. That's not our Mishnah. Why not? Say, this goes back to the thing we said before. Because pesach pasuach is an uncertain claim. Why is it an uncertain claim? Because we could attribute that to his to his novice intimacy level, right? We could say, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Because you don't have experience in this area of life. That's why what he's making over here is a definitive claim there was no blood. That's a definitive claim. Pesach Pasuach, however, may not be a definitive claim. So, where we're holding right now is we have Rebel saying that if you claim Pesach Pasuach, he is believed to ask for his wife upon himself. We're just challenging that a little bit because our Mishnah doesn't seem to be talking about Pesach Pasuach. Our Mishnah is talking about where after the Bia Rishona, there's no blood. There's no blood. So he's coming to Baiz and saying, listen, I don't know what, I'm just telling you, there was no blood from the Bia Rishonah. What, what is that? What is that? But it could be that according to our Mishnah, if he were to come with Pesach, Pasuach, we kind of pat him on the back, put our arm around his shoulder, and say, ah, you know, you're a little new to this, right? So, so, uh, right, right, go home, everything is fine. Everything is fine. So I'm say, we just have no Raya from the Mishnah. So the rest, let's go back there. I'm going to say for another minute, let's go back there. So the gemara says, "Well, har pesach pasuach the k'suvasa." Now will say we just took it up a notch. If a man says pesach pasuach matzasi, he is believed to deprive his wife of a k'suva. Now I will say, now this is strong. Now this is much stronger. Why is this much stronger? Because up until now, what we were saying is pesach pasuach at most has the ability to what? To asser her on him, to change his status regarding her. Now we're saying pesach pasuach even has the ability to asser her in her k'suva. I'm Rav Yosef, my kamashru, and we learn this tanina. We learn this. We'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up with this case, a great, great case. Shabbosai, new no, our first week of kesuvos, incredible, overwhelming, fantastic, beautiful. Shkayach and a good night of Shabbos, everyone.